Hey, everybody. This is episode 115 of the Q&A podcast. My name is Anthony, and sitting right across from me, as always, is my pal, DeQuincy. Hello, guys. Welcome back. Man, it's been a, like about two weeks since, our last, since we last recorded. Yes, we took last week off because you had the um, your DJ job, job downtown. Yeah, uh, yeah, last Sunday. It was man, a lot of fun. Yeah. Good turnout. Good times, as always. Uh, but, man... Jeez, Louise! I mean, so much has happened during that time. It, it's, it's crazy. The news, all the news. Yeah, um, you know, we should start right off the bat. Uh, I know you and your brother have talked about it on, on a separate podcast. Um, two bros, is that right? Two bros talk podcast, sir. Two bros talk podcast. Um, TBT pod out in the streets. Nice, I like that. Um. You know, the, the biggest story in the world, I mean, literally, is uh, the tragic death of, of Kobe Bryant um, at age 41. Um, this past Sunday, uh, was it January 26th? Unfortunately so, yes. Him, his daughter, and seven other people died in a helicopter crash heading to his daughter's basketball game. Yeah, it, it is one of the most shocking stories I've heard in a long time because you never think of guys like that. You know, you never think that something like that's going to happen to a, a, a legend, a, a big time celebrity like that. Um, and I, I know you haven't listened to the podcast, but when I was talking to Daniel, I said it hit me the same way that uh, it hit me when Prince died and when Jose Fernandez died. Yeah. It, it just, it's like, uh, Bomani Jones put it best. They, Kobe and those other guys did so many extraordinary things. I never thought they could do something as ordinary as die. Right. You know, we – go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I mean, we we kind of criticize celebrities. I feel – I mean, we do, you know, acknowledging how insulated they are from the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, so when something like this happens, that's what makes it so shocking because you feel like with the power and and the money that they have, you know, the, again, the insulation that they have from regular life, you, it's shocking when a regular life occurrence, something that happens to, you know, that happens to people die every single day. And it's just unbelievable when it happens to someone like like him as you know with his his notoriety and not just that but just how young he was you know everybody was saying you know he's getting ready to start his second career basically and um you know it's it's tragic that we don't get to see the fruits of that labor that would have been um yeah and you, you know obviously the other passengers the other victims, it, it's a, it's just an awful story, you know, and, and uh, compounded with, you know, his, his 13 year old daughter on board with him as well. You know, I don't think any parent would ever wish that upon their, their families or children, you know, it's just a, just a, one of the saddest stories I've heard in, in years, like I said. Yeah, I, mean, I went over this with Daniel, but 
stuff. Back that, you know, there are more news reports coming about what happened, what happened, and I think it. Um, the latest I saw was like the plane was in a steep dive for like a minute before it hit the ground. Yeah. Like I can't imagine the horror that was going through his mind as he realized that not only was he going to die, but there was nothing he could do to save his daughter as well. And as a parent, that's got, that's one of the most tragic, harrowing, just mind numbing thoughts that you could have. Of course, yeah. No, I, I can't imagine, but yeah, um, you know, and you know, I, like I said, I, we, you know, you've talked at length about it on on your other podcast, um, but you know, it's it's you know, of course, we have to talk about it briefly at least. I mean, yeah, the guy want, was a legend. Yes, yeah, so I wanted to get your also give you an opportunity to get your thoughts off me and Daniel. We went, we only went for like 25 minutes, I think, because it just got to the point where it was too sad. Sure. Like, um, I, I was literally breaking down crying on the podcast. We couldn't, we couldn't do it. Man. Like, like before we started, we were like, okay, we'll talk about the Kobe and then the Kobe situation. And then we'll talk about the Rockets. And like, as soon as we got done discussing Kobe's life and legacy, it was like, we can't go on anymore. It's over. <laughs> Let's cut it right here. And that's what we yeah. did. No, I, I get that, man. I totally understand. Um, it's we grew up in a we grew up in a really great time. I feel like I don't know. I think the debate goes back and forth whether we grew up in a really great time for basketball. I mean, you know, we were at the tail end of of Jordan's run, um, who established himself as you know the greatest of all time. I, I don't I don't think the debate goes much farther than that, but. To see, you know, to live during Kobe's era, um, to witness what he did on the court, man. I mean, it is, you know, as close to Jordan as you could get, you know. Um, yeah. The second best shooting guard of all time behind Jordan. Yeah, I would say so. And uh, I, heard, I was listening to uh, the Right Time podcast, uh, Bobani Jones, and uh, – it was just an excellent hour of him reliving Kobe's legacy. And he also took like phone calls from listeners and there were some hurt Laker fans. I mean, there was one guy called in who's basically bawling like a child. And I started crying at work listening, to him. but, um, oh man, I'm, I forgot where I was going, but we're, he was talking about, uh, Kobe, um, basically everyone who grew up in, around Kobe's age grew up being Jordan and we all we all hated Kobe for be for trying to be like Jordan when right. everybody was trying to be Jordan it's like you and he just explained it but my basically said people were just mad because Kobe was 95 percent of Jordan while meanwhile the rest of us were one right we we all wanted to be Jordan and then we got mad at the guy who did the best impression of Jordan yeah I mean you know as a Rockets fan it was frustrating to see that guy dominate everybody you know not just us but I mean everybody you know and uh, that's why even after Magic and Kareem you know when the Lakers came come to town doesn't matter who who your team is that's that's the biggest game of the year um, and a large part of that was because of Kobe I mean you knew Kobe was coming to town and it was going to be 
I mean, you better have more than your A game set for this game. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you if you uh, aren't prepared better than any other game of the season, you're going to lose that game. And, uh, you know, as a fan, it's it's frustrating when he's crushing your team. And it's – as a fan, it's, you know, it's the biggest – it's the biggest rush you could get when the Rockets, you know, you know, won a game against Kobe and Shaq and the Lakers. I mean, you know, those were massive wins. And, you know, it was, it was an exciting – it was – even if it was just for that one night, it was an exciting time as a fan because you beat the Lakers, you beat Kobe, mm-hmm. you beat Shaq. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, you know, very few – players have ever had that effect i mean jordan kobe and lebron basically at least in our our lifetimes yeah Um, yeah so man it's again it's a a tragic story um you know of course we i think most people wish they could you know uh change the narrative you know or change change that story you know and you know we all wanted to see what was going to happen next whether you liked him or not, he was always going to be around in the universe of basketball. And you're going to tune in one way or the other, whether it's head on or on the periphery. If Kobe was involved, you're going you're gonna to pay attention. And yeah. Yeah, just sad. The story ended so soon. Way For too him, soon. His daughter and everybody else that was on that flight. Absolutely. Way too soon. Uh, rest in peace to all those uh, victims of that helicopter crash. Yes, sir. Um, but much like everybody else in the world, every talk show and podcast and, and whatnot, you know, we, we have to move on as well. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, again, like I said, there's a lot that has happened over the course of these past two weeks. Um, Real quick, uh, Conor McGregor came back to the UFC and main event to the pay-per-view, beat his opponent, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, in 40 seconds, and that's about as much time as we're going to need to talk about that. Um, it, was, it was impressive. Uh, he, he brought some new tools to, the, to, his, you know, to his game. Uh, he utilized them. He executed them. And he's back on top, man. I mean, he, it, there was no title involved. Um, but he's on top of the, the mixed martial arts world because now there's so many potential fights that are set up, um, and he's involved in most of them, or he's, uh, the cause of, of other fights happening. I mean, everything now begins and ends with Connor, like once again, and, uh, it's an exciting time if you're a mixed martial arts fan. I shall take your word for it. <laughs> um, we've got the Super Bowl lined up or, you know, ready to go. Uh, you know, the last time we did a podcast, the Texans hadn't played in the – the uh, they had not played in the division round. Oh, no, no, that's fake. The last time we had a podcast, we were literally talking about how the Texans blew that lead. That's right. Okay, you're right. Okay, that's right. Uh, we hadn't talked about – because I'm looking at we the made title. Predictions. That's I'm right. looking at the title that is the the last podcast was the Texas two step of pain and misery. I remember this. 
That's right. I've erased it from my memory at this point, I guess. Uh, yeah, no, we made our predictions for the conference championship games. And uh, now, you know, we've got Kansas City Chiefs set to face San the San Francisco 49ers. Um, the most dynamic offensive player in football against the most dynamic defense in football this year. I think it's a great matchup. Um, it's an interesting one at, at the least for me, at least I, we talked about off, off air, but uh, I think you have a different opinion on that. My, yeah. My opinion is the Texans just killed my mood for football with the way they lost. And like I, I told you off air, I'm not even sure I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. It may be on while I'm you know, doing something else, or I might just be on the PlayStation, but I just, I just have no enthusiasm for the Super Bowl this year. That's big, man. I mean, we, you know, as big of, as big a fan as we are of sports, you know, uh, to not be interested in the Super Bowl. That's just a man. When, when someone asks who hurt you, those Texans really hurt you. man. <laughs> it was, it was Bill O'Brien. That's who hurt me. I can point to that man. Well, since, since you're not going to really pay attention to the game as much, we can recap it, you know, after another time. But let's talk about that man, Bill O'Brien. That man, head coach of the Houston Texans. Oh, not just head coach anymore. Not just head coach anymore. That's right. What is he now? He is the general manager. I believe he's the only coach in football to also have the title of GM. Does not and someone told me that earlier today. Does Bill Belichick not have that same title? He does not. They have a they have a GM. Remember the Texans tried to do an interview for that GM, and the Patriots stopped them and tried to file uh, tampering charges, and the Texans uh, basically stepped away from it in uh, last offseason. That's why we didn't have a GM. Wow, I don't remember that story. You don't remember that? That was last offseason. They, wow. they, I think, was it Gaines, the GM that the Texas fired? Then they went over, they went to try to get, geez, I don't remember the name of the Patriots general manager, but they reached out for him and the Patriots uh, were about to file tampering charges with the NFL. And then the Texans just stepped back and they said, oh, we're not going to have a GM, we're going to have a committee, which led to all those trades that they made basically giving up all their draft capital for guys like Tunsil and Steels. Yeah. Remember that? Oh yeah. And now that was I all Bill, well, I remember Bill those. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And now Bill O'Brien has an official GM title. Gosh. The irony of Patriots uh, filing it or getting close to filing a tampering. <laughs> you know, yeah. Complaint. Um, yeah, man, it's, <laughs> it's just unbelievable that like you said, you've said this in the past, this guy gets more power every year. Every passing year, this guy gets more power. What's going on? When white people tell you white privilege don't exist, just point to Bill O'Brien because it'll make no damn sense. They had that embarrassing loss two years ago against the Colts at home in the playoffs, and he got more power. And then this year they had another embarrassing loss against the Chiefs, and he has even more power. He's the official GM. The only person more powerful than him is, I believe, Kyle McNair. And I, I, you're talking about failing upwards. This is ridiculous. 
what is this guy doing? Does Bill O'Brien have like dirt on this guy or something? I mean, it's just, it's unfathomable. The guy who has coached the team to just above mediocrity, because if you're just above mediocre, you can probably get in the playoffs, especially in this division. This division is, is a winnable division now. Um, and you have to be just above mediocre. You know, I'll tell you what it is. And I saw this after the um, the Chiefs game. Deshaun Watson goes to his uh, press conference and he basically talking about how much he loves Bill O'Brien, this, that, and the third. It's like, oh, the players love this guy. He just can't plan, you know, have a game plan to save his life. He reminds me like, um, what's that guy? Phillips? Wade Phillips? Yeah, Wade Phillips. When Wade Phillips is your defensive coordinator, things are, are great. You're going to have a top 10 defense. It's, it's you know, everything's peachy keen. But as soon as he's the head guy in charge, it's going south and it's going south in the herd. Some people are just born to be lieutenants and they can't be generals. That was Wade Phillips and that's Bill O'Brien. He's the last guy that needs to have more power. What makes Bill O'Brien so likable with this team? Because – he it's stuff in the like locker a, room that we just don't see. That's what it is. Because he, he doesn't seem like a likable person. That's, that's what's so bizarre. Like hearing that, hearing you say that Deshaun Watson, you know, is, is uh, complimentary of this man. He, he doesn't seem like a pleasant person, like a nice guy, like a, a, a player's coach. But you're saying he is, uh, apparently, according to certain players. Yeah, players love him. He's a player coach who can't coach on the field. It may, because that's the only thing I think of. Otherwise, Deshaun should hate this guy for how he has him playing out there behind his turnstile line where he, everything has to be Deshaun. Be Superman or else we're going to lose. And getting him killed, too. Yeah. That's it's, He's not going anywhere. He's got, I believe, two or three more years on his contract. He's going to have all the power. And it's just, like, I, I, like I told some people on Twitter, I, I'm out on the Texans until they fire Bill O'Brien. And I just, I just can't keep watching this, knowing exactly where it's going to go. Deshaun's going to – he's going to be another year older. They're they, – I don't know if they're going to do anything to address the problems they have with offensive line, or even if they do address it, if they're going to, if they have the brain trust to actually make the right moves. Right. The defense, like we saw in the Kansas City game, that defense was trash the entire game. Kansas City beat themselves up more than the Texan defense actually, you know, held them. Yep. Or how are they be able to address that and? They had all this money into uh, going into free agency last year. They had enough money. They could have made that Tunsil deal and kept um, – what's his name? Just, uh, Clowney. Clowney. Yeah, they had more than enough money because Watson's still in that rookie deal. I believe Watson has one more year left, and then he's going to get a contract. <sighs> I can't wait to see what Deshaun Watson and um, – uh, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, what the, and their contracts would be. Mahomes would be the highest paid player in football for sure. For sure. And Watson and uh, Lamar uh, Jackson would be right behind Lamar. Absolutely. And the problem is, man, 
You're going to have to. Jackson? What the hell is his last name? Yeah, Lamar Jackson. It is? Okay. Yeah. The Same problem with Watson is, you said it, man, he's going to be another year older. Mm-hmm. Potential to be the top quarterback in football. I mean, he's up there. He's he's neck and neck. On, he's maybe just a hair short of of Mahomes. Uh, I mean, right there with Mahomes and Jackson. Those three. I mean, this is a great time for those three to be like the new faces of the quarterback position in football. And the problem is this guy's going to keep getting beat up over and over again. And when you eventually, when you do have to pay him, he might be damaged goods at some point. I mean, this guy gets hit often and he gets hit hard and he usually winds up with some sort of injury during the season where, I mean, everybody's like holding their breath because you just don't know the extent of the injury, but like he gets hurt every year because of this, this offensive line. Yeah. Um, I think I've said in this podcast before, if he goes the Andrew Luck route and retires within the next three years or so, I would not be the least bit surprised. Wouldn't be the least bit surprised would be the most disappointed, man. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that would be. Cause after that, this team is toast. I mean, this guy – look, this guy holds this team together. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a great receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. Um, one of the fastest guys in the league in um, Will Fuller. And you're just wasting all of their year. You're wasting all of their prime years together. Exactly. I, and – like I said, I have, I have no faith in this organization to do the right thing within the next two, three years. So, like, I would not be the least bit surprised if they're out of the playoffs next year. Yeah, I mean, the the division should get better next year. I mean, Tennessee will probably be the favorites to win that division next year. I mean, the way Derrick Henry played this this season – the way he performed in the playoffs, I mean, my God, it, it is scary <laughs> to think what what he's what he could become. With it, it was a grown man running against children. Yeah, it was it was not fair. That one when they were playing Baltimore and he hit um, Earl Thomas so hard, spun him around and turned him into a lead blocker. That's my favorite memory of the season. It had nothing to do with the Texans, but that's the moment I always remember. Is that the is that the play where I, I think he he stiff armed he stiff armed the guy twice in the same run? Yep. I think that yeah. I was like, holy cow! I've never seen that. This guy stiff arming the same guy twice. Made him into a lead blocker. That was crazy. Yeah. Uh, man, but like for me, I, I have no more fandom in the Texans until they get rid of Bob. If uh, <laughs> I'll still like. I'm not going to say pay attention because I don't feel like I'm going to watch watch the game too much, but that's about, I'm going to be an analyst. I'm going to be able to break down the games for the podcast, but I'm not going to have any kind of emotional input on the team anymore. Yeah, I mean, if they make the playoffs again, of course I'll tune in. But, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath on that, and I'm not going to go out of my way to, to you know, 
to be a super fan this mm-hmm. you know for the for foreseeable future exactly uh let's see we did texans uh super bowl do you want to talk about super bowl i'll let you have it this is uh an interesting one like again like i said earlier the most dynamic player in football offensive player in football going up against the most dynamic offense a defense this year in football um patrick mahomes is uh, man i don't think i've ever seen anything like this guy um san francisco's def- san francisco's defense was phenomenal this year and during the you know the, the nfc title game i mean their running game was was Derrick Henry like, mm-hmm. um, and that's what got them, you know, to the Super Bowl, you know, because Jimmy Garoppolo is a game manager, really, a very Bill Belichick esque quarterback, which is fine. I mean, you know, the guy won; he's, he's won six titles with that kind of quarterback. Um, so you know, that could ultimately translate to you. You hope it, or you know, if you're Niners, you know, if you're involved with the team, you know, you hope it translates to that kind of success. Um, so, man, this is a really intriguing game to me. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, like from a football standpoint, but I grew up, you know, obviously grew up as, as an Oilers fan and then they left and you're kind of in limbo. But, you know, you, there's always that secondary team that we all, you know, we all like. But there's a secondary team that I think everybody – roots for if their team isn't in it or whatever the case may be. And San Francisco was that team growing up. I was a big Steve Young fan. He was a left-handed quarterback. I'm left-handed as well. So I, I was liked the idea of, of damn demons right? <laughs> of a, of like an incredible left-handed quarterback. It was, it was awesome. So like, I'm kind of rooting for San Francisco in that regard. Patrick Mahomes, like I said, most exciting offensive player in football He's a Texas boy. I mean, he, he went to Texas Tech, you know, went to high school in Texas. Yeah, he kind of rooting for the, you know, sort of the hometown guy. But then again, when it comes to Kansas City, I can't stand their fans. <laughs> and that's the only reason why I would root, I'm rooting against Kansas City. But, I, like, I'm, that's where my conflict is. Like, I would like to see the Texas boy win a title – but not for these fans, man. These guys just stink. I, I, I know some Kansas City fans, and you know we've had our disagreements in the past, and you know it's it's uh, left a sour taste. Um, so that's where that's really where my my main conflict is. But uh, I'm excited about the game. That's for sure. It's hard to pick a winner because I don't know. You kind of sound like you're you're heading towards San Francisco. I think ultimately I'm, I'm going to pick San Francisco. I'm still going back and forth up until probably, you know, game time on Sunday. So you talk about the San Francisco defense. Who on that defense is fast enough to keep up with Tyreek Hill? I, I don't know. And on the other side, you got, uh, what's his name, McCole Hardman, who they drafted as a speedster because they weren't sure they would have Tyreek Hill because of that whole beating children thing. Right. Oh, don't forget Sammy Watkins. He's a pretty damn good receiver too. 
He is, absolutely. And um, those three guys are named – they're not even the best pass catchers on the team. That honor belongs to, to Travis Kelsey. 1A or 1B tight end. I mean, this is, this is the matchup of the best tight ends in football as well. Yeah. I think, I think um, Kelsey is a better catcher. It's just the other guy uh, – damn, what's his name? George Kittle. Yeah, Kittle. Kittle is like a just a steam a steamroller. Once he gets the ball, it's going to take at least three guys to bring him down. Right. <laughs> but uh, they like took the best parts of Gronk, won the pass catching, and won the un, the uh, untackleableness, <laughs> if that is such a word. But yeah, no, what you said um, basically, you were talking about the defense. My thing is just the Kansas City offense is like explosive doesn't even begin to describe it we right. talk about uh, i hate to use the word you talk about makes me sound like one of those talking heads but the guys that just named the wide receivers and they have a quarterback that those goddamn no look passes how can you defend against that i mean the 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 recipe for success i mean the the this is the best shot i think any offense has ever had to win a super bowl against a top defense. You know, you always see mm-hmm. these these matchups of the best offense against the best defense. And oftentimes, I think more times than not, the best defense usually comes out on top. But My, this is this is the year. I, this, uh, this is a question I want to ask you. We'll get to that. How many points do you think San Francisco needs to score in order to win this game? 35. So 35 points. Do you feel confident in Jimmy Garoppolo scoring 35 points? Because after their game against – which team was it? The Minnesota Vikings, when Garoppolo threw that interception, do you know how many passes that he's thrown in the, two, in the rest of that game plus the uh, Green Bay game? Do you know how many passes he's thrown? I don't know the rest of that game, but I know he went six for eight in the and NFC championship game against the Packers. In those two games at that interception, he's thrown 20 passes. Good Lord. And, uh, and I know they have a, a explosive. They have a, I'm trying to give up another word. San Francisco has a great running game, but we saw what happened with Tennessee with a great running game. You go down the field in eight minutes and you get your touchdown, and then <laughs> Kansas City turns around and gets a touchdown in two minutes or less. Right. And basically you have to – when you, you have an offense like that where it's just you have to live with the run, every play has to be perfect in order to get down the field to get to that touchdown. Meanwhile – um. Kansas City would just get one pass that would go to Tyreek Hill for 60 yards, and all of a sudden it's first, it's first and 10 on the first and goal on the five yard line. And you're mm-hmm. standing around the San Francisco defense, like, how the hell did this happen? So, me, I've already, and you know, I think it's time for Andy, Andy Reid to get a ring. He's an offensive genius. A solo, this will basically make him first ballot Hall of Famer. And you, he's had two weeks to have a to dream up an offensive game plan with um, Patrick Mahomes, Watkins, Hill, and Hardman, and Kelsey. I'm just like, I don't think there's any way that San Francisco, even with that defense, that they can slow down 
the Kansas City Chiefs enough to let Jimmy G get those five touchdowns to win the game. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, as a, like I said, as a fan rooting, you know, with different ties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, like I said, it's hard to root against San Francisco, but when you break it down like that, I mean, like I said, this is probably the best opportunity, the best offensive the best offense in football has to beat the best defense in football. Like this, this year more than any other year that I can remember where it's like, man, this is, this is a very interesting matchup between these, the, you know, the top offenses and defenses the, you know, again, this is really set up for Kansas city to dominate, to score big score often. And, you know, Again, I say unfortunately only because of my dislike for Kansas City fans. <laughs> That's the only reason. Um, you know, it, it's. I mean, it's a, it's it's close to a slam dunk as you could probably dream of, or you know, maybe not slam dunk. That's a basketball term, but home run or uh, or wait <laughs> or you know, you know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, I got you, man. And it looks like it's going to be a close game. I'm looking at the betting lines right now, and they have the Chiefs as a very slight favorite. Chiefs minus one and a half. So, people see what you see. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good game. And I'm just picking the Chiefs because I got. I think their offense is going to be better. Their offense is going to be more difficult to stop than uh, the 49ers. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, it makes sense. All right, we were able to make some kind of conversation out of that, even though okay. I, I, I bad-mouthed it. <laughs> it's all about the effort. Yeah. All right, man. Um, let's see. What other topics do you want to talk about? Uh, well, you know, Sunday was a uh, – Oops, sorry. Sunday was a, uh, you know, a really awful day, you know, during the day. Um, the evening – you know, we had the uh, the Royal Rumble. Um, you know, I think our audience knows that you and I are, are still big wrestling fans. Not here for that wrestling. Right. And um, the Rumble was at Minute Maid Park here in Houston this year. Which, you couldn't pay me enough money to go to Minute Maid Park to watch a wrestling match. I remember I was watching it in one part. The Street Profits were giving a promo backstage, and I was looking at it, and I turned to my girl, and I was like, is it sad that I know exactly what part of the stadium they're in? Because <laughs> it was like it was downstairs near the um, the visiting uh, clubhouse. Because I could see the umpires room. I was like, I know exactly where they are. <laughs> they were probably the batting cage, the you know, the underground batting cage. It's uh, no, because they were in the hallway. They're in oh, the, the hallway. hallway. Okay. Yeah, they were in the hallway, like right oh, in front, yeah, right okay. from the visitors, um, yep. visitors clubhouse. I was like, I wow. know where they are. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I had an opportunity to go. And buy, uh, my friend, uh, he had Daryl. He had some tickets, and you know, bills just came in the way. I was like, Ugh. yeah. So I wasn't able to go. But it's the one thing I haven't done wrestling-wise. We've been to wrestling shows. We've been to wrestling shows together. I've never been to a pay-per-view. 
Same here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I say, you know, I was kind of harsh earlier, but, you know, maybe I, maybe I will. I, I think, I think, uh, you know, God willing, you know, I have my own family, my own kids one day. And if they're into wrestling, I think that would be cool, you know, to, to take my, you know, you know, future kids um, to, to a wrestling, to a wrestling match. But um, right now, like, I'm, you know, I'm still okay with just watching from home. Yeah, for me, like, Amari's gotten into wrestling. And so, uh, no, I'm going to have to take him eventually. Sure, yeah, and of course. And that, and um, <laughs> he's really into the Rockets for some reason. <laughs> I think it's they're big up at the school. Every, oh, yeah. every, every day he comes home, like, is the Rocket playing day? The Rockets playing day? Like, I don't even talk about them that much at home. Where are you getting this from? <laughs> but yeah. What well, podcast you're listening to? Yeah. That was for, ours. <laughs> you betrayed me. But yeah, I got. Like, that's always cool getting your kids and the things that you love. Like, yeah, wrestling. of course. Uh, but that's the side of point. I gotta take them to a wrestling event. Um, next time, hopefully, they can come through the summer so I don't have to worry about school, right? <laughs> um, but well, let's just talk about the rumble itself. Like, how did you like it overall? I liked the pay per view as a whole, mm-hmm. the women's. Rumble Royal Rumble match. Um, I was okay with the result. Oh, yes, they had to give a, a chance to that shiny upstart Charlotte Flair. I'm okay but. with that. I mean, at this point, it's like, um, let yeah, you know, I'm okay with that because that's one that's one more accolade that she can add to her resume and also one more you know, distinction that they can get out of the way with her. You know, she's multiple time champion, headline pay-per-views, mm-hmm. you know, been in rest been in a WrestleMania paper, you know, uh main event. Yep. Give her the, you know, the the uh winner of the Royal Rumble match as well. And going forward, I mean, this is the third women's rumble match we've had. You had Oscar win Becky Lynch win, and now Charlotte. Those are like, you know, three of your. Three it gives us some legitimacy. Right. It's legit. I'm sorry. I'm watching it right now, and Beth Phoenix is leaking like a faucet. That was awful. Like, that what? Was awful. To what see. did she hit? She hit the ring post. Oh. Literally a minute after she got in the, in the ring, she was in the corner, and I forgot who was on top of her. You know, threw a punch and her head swung back, and she hit her head on the that flat part of the ring post. Mm-hmm. Cut her wide open, I guess, in the back of the head. Yeah, and was... you know, it's she. Here's that's the thing about that match. When that happens, and you see a lady's head, which started out blonde mm-hmm. and is now crimson red, <laughs> yeah. call the audible because uh... she was the. Th- Third, the second to last uh, survivor in that match. Call the audible. Get her the hell out of there so she can, you know, get taken care of. Let someone else get thrown over in her place. You know, she was in that match for like 30 minutes, over 30 minutes. That's insane. This this woman, you know, like, I would say, and I would say that for, you know, a, a male competitor too. Get him out of there. I would That's say they're bleeding I, that much. 
I definitely would say that in, in a normal match. But uh, the the Rumble, there's just so many bodies in there, and everything has to be planned so right. perfectly. It's like once one thing goes wrong, then it it every, it becomes noticeable that every, that it's screwed up. You're right. No, I agree. But when something like that happens, I mean, it's not like a, you know, it's not like a, a, a because it, because then if you if you eliminate her right here, then how do you handle um, what's her name? Uh, because she she later throws out Natalia. Gosh, yeah, Natalia. So how do you do that, in Natalia spot? If um, Beth Phoenix is not there, and then you're like, you got to make that up within oh two minutes with forty two thousand people watching, right? And millions around the globe. So I understand not getting her out. I, I just, man, I don't know. There has you sit here and say there has to be a better way, but there is no better way because it's a live event. Yeah, no, you know you're right. Um, but yeah, I, I still feel like, man, just get her out of there. Like, patch her up, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. It was awful watching. You know, you don't know if she has a concussion. I mean, she, yeah. I guess she didn't because she was still moving really well in the match. But but that's never been a sign of anything. We've seen people before you do matches and do well in matches and then come out later in the interview and say, yeah, I, I don't remember the last 10 minutes of that match because I was concussed halfway through. Right. Yeah, just, but, uh, just a scary situation all yeah, around. But, yeah. you know, back to the match itself, like, I, I was okay I, with the result. Yeah, um, one more thing about Charlotte. Yeah. We we as fans and other people around think about, you know, wrestling for, like, us, just the main people watch wrestling and stuff. But WrestleMania is such a big, huge thing. It draws in casual fans. And I guarantee you, casual fans have heard about Charlotte Flair. They may not have heard of someone like Shayna Baszler or Zelina Vega or Carmella. So it makes sense for um, Charlotte to win. And you put her on the billboards, on the promo, and people are like, oh, I know her. I want to. I remember her from last year's match. I would love to see her again. Right. So it's a business, business decision. I understand it. It's just it, as a as a fan, I'd rather see someone else who hasn't gotten the opportunity and someone I haven't seen in WrestleMania make that. Right, and I think it ties into the the ties into the men's match. Mm-hmm. What you just said very much ties into what happened in the men's Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. You can use Charlotte as the face of the Royal Rumble this year. The the you know. The person that everybody knows, the casual fans know. When this is the year you decided with the men, mm-hmm. we're going to go back to basics. We're going to push someone up the card into that main event spot that, again, the casual fans might not know. I loved that they picked Drew McIntyre to win the Royal Rumble. Oh, boy. When he won, all I consider is say it was about damn time. About damn time. And, uh, again, it ties into the women because you've got the recognizable name, the recognizable face on the women's side, and that's someone that can, you know, will draw the attention from everybody. Mm-hmm. But, again, this was about going back to basics, doing what 
made that company, makes this company what it is, creating stars. That's how you create, that's how you create, I don't know why I added that extra syllable. <laughs> that's why you, that's how you create stars. And it makes up for everything they had Brock Lesnar do in that match. Because I'm watching the all, all Brock did was sweat and throw people out of the ring. That's it. He was the number one entrant. Mm-hmm. He threw out a, he threw out the next ten guys, eleven guys. I'm sorry. He, oh, how many did he throw out? I think you're one. Two, let's see: Elias, Eric Rowan, Rude, Morrison, Kingston, Mysterio, Big E, Cesaro, Shelton Benjamin, Nakamura, MVP, what what? Keith Lee. Braun Strowman. He threw out 13 guys. He threw out 13. Yeah. But he threw out the first, the next 10 in a row. No, like, he threw out all those guys. Oh, so everyone I named. Two to from 14. Yeah. Two to 14. I'm on Wikipedia right now. Two to 14 eliminated by Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is going on, man? Like, this, this is insane. The fans are going to be, I mean, for all the blustering that we do, that fans do, that's it. I'm canceling my subscription. That could have, that could very well have been the final straw. I mean, oh, real quick, you know the uh, the MVP uh, entrance got leaked. Did it? Yes. You want to know how? How? <laughs> so you know they're testing all the entrances like the day before. Mm-hmm. And I guess someone forgot that the roof on Midmay Park is open. So <laughs> someone saw the MVP, um, his um, MVP on the uh, Titan Tron, took a picture of it and uploaded it. Holy <laughs> cow. I did not see that. Yeah. I, I saw it like the day after the Rumble. Like, it was so many people were hyped. Uh, but. <laughs> It's stupid things like that that ruin surprises. You know, there was also the story that um, Lita and another woman, uh, their entrances got leaked as well. So they they scrapped them from the match completely. Oh, really? Yeah. Lita was supposed to be in the Rumble, but then, like, her entrance got leaked, and they said, nope, we're not going to use you. Is that why? Somebody else, I forgot who it was. Is that why Santino Morale was in there? (laughs) It might be. He's correct. Um, But, I mean – like I said, putting over someone like Drew McIntyre is how you establish new stars, man. That's how, you know, that's how mm-hmm. you keep this thing going. Because you can't, I mean, you can't have, you can't run Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns every year. You can't run Brock Lesnar. Vince would love to try. As much as he'd love to try. <laughs> or Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins every year, especially this year when Rollins is running heel. Mm-hmm. You just can't. And, you know, I was thinking, oh, man. Well, also, it's like, man, I'm glad that they're not setting up Brock Lesnar against Kane Velasquez. They're not setting up Brock Lesnar versus Tyson Fury. Very short-sighted moves. This is a, yes. this is a move booking Drew McIntyre to win the Royal Rumble is a very long-term, you know, you know, longer term than usual type of move. It's it's a it's a forward thinking move that now this guy can be in the mix 
the rest of this year, mm-hmm. go into next year, maybe not, maybe not main event WrestleMania again next year, unless he's the biggest star in the sport. You know, but you're but you're giving him that chance to further establish himself to to see if maybe he does have what it takes to be the top guy in the company or you know one a one b one c like that. Yeah, you know, give this guy a chance to to run with it. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I when he eliminated Brock, I still didn't think he was going to win the match. I thought that elimination was going to set up their WrestleMania match. Right. But I'm so glad I was wrong and WWE, you know, got behind Drew McIntyre and actually made him the winner. Because I got to say, at the end, when it was him and Roman, I was like, "There's okay, I'll take either one of these. Yeah, I mean, the final four were Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, and Edge. And uh, we got to talk about that. Got to talk about that. I was legitimately like thrilled and surprised shocked to see edge back because i'd heard the rumors and he boy was, i screamed i yelled <laughs> i got chills i really got chills and uh boy did they screw up <laughs> yo they screwed up the first goddamn spear i ooh, kevin dunn first I want, two. kevin dunn i want your head on a goddamn platter how do you do that how I do you do that I don't care about some fat kid's reaction in the audience when the guy's just getting in the ring. Imagine you if you and I were there and they got our reactions instead of – I'd be pissed. Why would you – don't take the camera off me, man. I'll get on camera another time. This is a, a huge moment. The you worst know, thing almost, the worst thing ever happened for these camera reactions was when they caught the guy after Undertaker lost to Brock Lesnar. That's exactly what I was thinking. Ever since then, they've been looking for the audience reaction. It's like, guys. The keep, next Yeah. You, you know you know who's having a reaction? Me and my family at home. I don't need to see everybody else's reaction in in the arena. I can see them cheering. Keep me on the goddamn action. It's about the pop, dude. It's uh-huh. always been about the pop. It's always been about, or if you're, if you're watching on television, mm-hmm. it's about the pop that you hear from the audience, not seeing everybody jump up and down right then and there. If you want to show it later, fine. Don't take the camera off that man for a second. And they, they blew it. I mean, they blew a great opportunity for a, a truly great live moment. Mm-hmm. Then they show, then they they try to save themselves on social media, posting different angles that you didn't see. It's like, no, I didn't see any angle. I didn't see any angle of those spears. So why are you doing this now? This is too late, man. I didn't see any angles because you guys fucked up. Yeah. Uh, Just ridiculous, man. But um, the only, you know, uh, tarnish on an otherwise great moment, a great uh, participant in, in that match. I mean, to see Edge back in the ring when, I, you know, I really thought there's no way this guy will ever do it again. Yeah. Because he kept saying over and over again, I haven't been cleared by any doctors, by WWE doctors. I won't be able to do it because of my neck. And I heard it so many times, it just became, 
it became law to me. It's like he's never coming back. Yeah, of course. And then as soon as his music hits, I just lost my damn mind. Like everyone else in that ballpark. Man, it was a a truly great wrestling moment. Oh, would you like to hear uh, his contract? Yeah, go ahead. So, first off, there's a report that he got cleared by an independent doctor and spoke to AEW before he signed his new deal. Oh, boy. And, like, that's negotiating 101. Mm-hmm. So, let's see. Some of the reports on the deal is three years, wow. $3 million a year, gets paid in full as long as he wrestles three times a year. Wow. <laughs> a million he, dollars in appearance? Yeah. He, or, or a match? As long as he wrestles three times a year, he gets that the the three million. He's committed to five matches per year, and this rumble counts as one. And let's see, and in addition to the matches, twenty five appearances. He's already got his first, his second appearance. I mean, his yeah, his second he's got appearance one appearance. On. You know, the next night on, on yeah. Raw. That was a crazy moment. Yeah, that this contract is Brock Lesnar s. Brock might be even a little jealous. Uh, yeah. Again, $3 million a year, wrestle three times. Hey, it, it's going to be the Rumble. It's going to be one of the Saudi shows and then WrestleMania. Yeah. And you've already fulfilled a third of it? Yeah. You got to do those three to at least get your money. And he's contracted for five. So he's got two other for, oh, man, that is, whew. You and see. 25 appearances, that's half of, that's only half of the year. Yeah. You see what happens, kids. When there's a competing company, you get your money up. And <laughs> I, I love it. I love I, it. Heck yeah, man. <sighs> but yeah, man, I can't wait to see him. <laughs> I made a joke about uh, Edge last night because it was obvious you watching he was doing everything to protect his neck. Mm-hmm. And that's understandable. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It's like, it's like an a basketball player coming back from ACL tear. Yeah, you can run on it. You can jump and everything, but you're still going to be ginger when you're out there on the court for the first, you know, however many games it takes for your mind to get right. Look at the debut of Zion Williamson. I mean, yeah. they said he, he landed on one foot 13 times. Yeah, you're going to protect yourself. It doesn't matter what his first game. Said. It's a mental thing. Yeah, I was saying, watching that World Rumble, I was, and I was like, God, I hope if Randy Orton hits him with the RKO, his neck's going to pop out like a rock'em sock'em robot. Yeah. <laughs> but it happened Monday. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm watching, like, oh no. He's like, oh, he's okay. Thank God. Thank God, yeah. But yeah, man. The two Rumble matches that were fun in our own distinctive ways. Uh, the rest of the card, I don't even remember. <laughs> I it does, I mean, look, no titles changed hands. Mm-hmm. The matches were fine. You know, mm-hmm. nothing, uh, nothing uh, memorable. Solid matches. You know, that's that's all you can ask for. Um, I enjoyed the Fiend versus Daniel Bryan. I enjoyed it so much. They didn't have that damn red light on. Oh, that was that was that was actually memorable. Yes, <laughs> like finally. Um, so I take it back that that was a, a one that was one memorable moment that wasn't in the Rumble match itself. Mm-hmm. But um, a, a moment I liked in the Rumble was um, Keith Lee going up against Brock. <laughs> 
God, if they market this correctly, they can make so much money off of Keith Lee. I liked Big E rallying Kofi and Ray to attack Brock. It's, it's like, oh, my God, someone using strategy in the World Rumble? Right. Why is this nonsense? You know, again, it, it all goes back to Brock. Like, oh, I mean, it's a shame. You know, like, it's a shame. As a wrestling fan, it's a shame. But like you always say, get your money for as little work as possible. Is, is getting your money for as little work as possible is the American dream, man. I mean, that's, it's, it's, about that's my American. I, that's my dream. At the end of the day, I can't fault the guy. That's how you make America great again. <laughs> I can't fault the guy. But, man, I would love to see Big E versus Brock. I would love to see Keith Lee versus Brock. Braun Strowman versus Brock again. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to Brock versus Drew McIntyre. I mean, the, the matchups are, are endless. Uh, the one match we won't see for sure is Brock versus Matt Riddle. Yeah. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I read about it. Brock basically ran up on him backstage and said, you'll never fucking work with me ever and walked off. Might as well stop saying my name. Yeah. That's not going to stop him at all. Oh, I'm sorry. Like I said earlier, I'm watching the World Rumble right now, and the um, Bailey-Lacey Evans match is about to start. And that match, the ending was just completely anticlimactic. Yeah. Bailey with this hairstyle looks like she's 35 and about to speak to a manager. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's that's probably what she's going for. Yeah, <laughs> it's working though because she's very unlikable. Yes, yeah, super unlikable. <laughs> and Lacey Evans, like they didn't need to turn her face. She could have been a heel, just like you disrespected me. I'm gonna knock you out. She's so much better as a heel. Yeah. And, she's like and, she's like Randy Orton. Like, you should never be a face. <laughs> yeah. I don't and, care about your military background or how great a mother you are. Inside the ring, you should be just as despicable heel. Exactly, because that kid is annoying, man. Her kid is annoying. I'm sorry. Having her at ringside, having her swipe at Bailey and Sasha Banks during the matches, like – is a, uh, this isn't about like this isn't about the kid. This is about the performers. She's not a performer, mm-hmm. you know. A lot, a lot comes from that. It's like, you know, there's. You don't want this kid growing up with some sort of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna, you, I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna let you into a little secret. Every kid that's not your kid is annoying. Yes, I, <laughs> I can. I definitely, definitely agree with you on that one. Um. Uh, and also, you know, the idea of people in the audience getting involved in matches, it's just, you're just getting closer and closer to that line where, you know, I mean, it's, it's been okay, but I'm always afraid that it's, it's really going to encourage more. Mm-hmm like nonsense, like yeah. more dumb fans trying to get involved, you know, trying to, you know, I mean, look, it happens. Fans, you know, jump the, the barricade and, and try and get involved. And, you know, uh, whether, other, other, whether they're under the influence or they're just stupid or whatever, you know, there, there's no place for that. You don't want it because, you know, it puts a lot of people in danger. 
So I think when you, when you play up the angle of someone in the audience, you know, even if it is just a little child getting involved, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's in my, in my mind, it's not the, the smartest move. Um, again, the little kid is just annoying. <laughs> it's main, the main reason why I, I, I don't really care for, um, for Lacey Evans as a, as a face. I'm telling you, I love my son. When we went up to his class on, on Tuesday for his birthday to give, give out cupcakes, half of those kids, I could have punted over the school wall. <laughs> your kids are great. Other kids are terrible. Remember that for all your days. Of course. Of course. Um, but overall, man, I thought it was a, a, a solid pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a great way to kick off 2020 to have a great, a good pay-per-view like that. Hopefully they can ride the wave to WrestleMania. Cause I have no idea what pay-per-view is coming in February. Yeah. I don't either. They change the name every year. It feels yeah, like. Wasn't it like fast lane or Roadblock or some other transformer ass name? Yeah. The fast uh, lane to WrestleMania or something. Yeah. Super, uh, super showdown. Oh, elimination chamber is the next one in the States. Oh, okay. Okay. That's always that's always fun. You know, Elimination Chamber is known as No Escape in Germany. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I clicked ahead on Wikipedia, and it's like Elimination Chamber, also known as No Escape in Germany. And I'm like, oh, I wonder why. Oh, the Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, even that, even No Escape is... Yeah, since, since 2011, the show has been promoted as No Escape in Germany, as it was feared the name Elimination Chamber may remind people of the gas chamber used during the Holocaust. Oh, <laughs> oh that's a terrible thing to laugh about. <laughs> but on the list of things that are going to get me sent to hell, it's very low. So, continue. yeah, yeah. I agree. Anything else uh, you want about the world, my man? No, I think we covered it, man. I, um, I'm ex- I'm fine. I'm a- once again excited for uh, this main event for the you know wherever wherever the Brock Ma- Drew McIntyre matches on the card, whether it's the the very last the true main event last match of the night. I'm excited, you know wherever it is. I'm I'm excited for this match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too, my man. Me too. Like I said, when wrestling is terrible, it's the worst thing in the world. Yep. When it's great. It's better than everything else you love. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, before we go, I guess we got one last thing to talk about. Um, oh, a lot's going on in baseball since we last talked. Oh, and we finally, the Astros have finally, uh, found their man to, to lead the team. Also, uh, you know, last time we talked, um, Luna and AJ Hinch were both fired. Uh, the next day, Alex Cora who was our bench coach in 2017, managed the Red Sox to World Series in 2018, um, was let go. I mean, you know, he, he's out. He's out mm-hmm. as manager of, of Boston Red Sox. And then, like, the, the day after that, Carlos Beltran, uh, or I don't know if it, I don't remember the timeline of those two, but so Carlos Beltran is also out as general manager of the New York Mets. Manager, just manager. Or manager, correct. I'm sorry. Um, so the two – Two more guys, you know, have suffered some consequences from, you know, the whole 
uh, signed ceiling scandal of 2017, you know, being a part of the, the World Series team in 2017, which is crazy. I mean, it's just – this has just been a bizarre time as a, as a Houston Astros fan. But, you know, and even though I was hoping that maybe, man, what the hell, let's stick it to him, man. Let's uh, – you, you, were, you were calling for uh, the Revenge Tour 2020. Mm-hmm. Who better to lead the Revenge Tour 2020 than – Alex Cora or Carlos Beltran as managers, you know, or co-managers. What the hell? Bring them both back. Um, I, I couldn't say this on Twitter because I was afraid I would get suspended for like making a threat. But Manford would have Crane assassinated if he tried that. <laughs> I think so. I think you're right. <laughs> um, nevertheless, you know that didn't come to fruition. My my great plan uh, to get our owner killed. <laughs> right? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, well, maybe not. Maybe not great plan, but my my, you know, bold idea um, was never considered. I, I imagine. Uh, so we we but we finally found our guy, mm-hmm. um, leading the 2020 Houston Astros, the Revenge Tour 2020. Um, Dusty Baker, and you called it, I believe. That last yes, time we sir. That's uh, right. Let me let me get this. I called it. I'm only right once. Every blue moon, so let me enjoy this, people. It's on your boy. You, it's you got you, it. Man. Yeah, I thought like for me, Dusty Baker was a perfect manager because celebrate he, good times, yes, uh, good times. Come on, <laughs> okay. Um, Dusty Baker to me was a perfect manager because he does well with veterans, and that's what this team is full of just veterans who are ready and hungry to get back to the World Series and win it this time. Mm-hmm. And I know there are questions about him. about him and analytics but i don't know i don't i really think that's overblown with dusty baker i think he you know he can get this team in a winning position that's all that matters that's all he's really done as manager mm-hmm. too is is you know, manage winning teams he's mm-hmm. got a winning record as, as a manager you know with you know being a manager for what 25 years probably 22 22. Um, he's been to a World Series in 02 with the Giants. You know, they didn't win, obviously. Um, but again, winning record, respected throughout baseball. Um, you, and you mentioned that this is a veteran team. You know, that was my trepidation with hiring someone like Dusty Baker, you know, this old school kind of guy. Because I still look at this team as a young, young team, but they're really not. I mean, there's, there's young guys on the team, you know, Correa's not even 25 yet, I believe. Bregman is still 23 or 24. Um, and, uh, you know, Alvarez is, is a young cat. But you're right. This, this, really, this is a, a team that has veterans who are not old veterans, but veterans who are mostly in their primes. Mm-hmm. You know, Verlander and Greinke, you know, that's, you know, they're on the tail end of their careers. They're on the back nine, but still very effective, you know, Verlander just won the you know Cy Young this past year. You know Bregman's older than Korea. <laughs> Bregman is older. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because Korea came straight out of high school. Bregman went to LSU. That's right. That's right. So Korea twenty four, Bregman twenty five. But okay. But listen, to everybody else, uh, Guriel thirty. He'll be thirty six. Mm-hmm. Okay, Altuve thirty. Or did that Michael Brantley be thirty three? Reddick thirty three. And uh, you know, Alvarez 22, so 23, and then Springer 30. You still have some older guys that are still the prime of the year that are hitting their 30s. So, 
you're right. It's a very talented young team, but they are veterans. A lot of these guys have been in the league three, four, five years. They know what right. to do. They don't so, need a babysitter. Right. So, you know, looking at it like that now, I think it is a good hire. Um, bringing, bringing in a guy like Dusty Baker, um, a guy who I don't think is going to try and rock the boat. I, th- I feel like he's, he knows what he's got with him. You know, what he, you know, this might be the best team he's had to manage in a long time. Probably since, maybe since that 02. Yeah, since the Lamont years, yeah. Um, this is a talent-stacked team still. Um, so it's, you know, it's a, it's a good hire. I'm, I'm more confident with it now than I was when we were speculating, you know, two weeks ago. What I find really interesting, though, uh, and I, again, I haven't really had a chance to, you know, read all the stories about it, uh, but he was signed to a one-year deal with a year, like, I guess, a team option for 2021. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he's, he's, what, 70 years old, so obviously he's not in your long-term plans like A.J. Hinch was. I mean, he had, like, a five-year deal at the time or a six-year deal or something like that. Um, I mean, he's 70 years old, so I guess a, a one-year deal with a second, you know, second-year option makes sense. But it's interesting. Uh, in your opinion, what is what do you think that means? Like, do you think they're just biding their time and looking for someone younger to go more long-term, like they like they had wanted to with AJ Hinch? Or, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a interesting way to to go about signing this guy i think he's the he's basically just a caretaker and they'll see if they can find someone else uh next year and if they can't find anyone next year that he'll be right back right um is there anybody in mind that, that you could think of that might you might want or you might look to or might be grooming even, or or maybe trying to bring back. I don't know. Not not Hinch. I'm not alluding to that, but maybe like a you know an old Astro or something like that. You know, is is someone like Craig Biggio in the pipeline to you know maybe be a, a manager of the future? I I don't know. This is, this... I don't know. I kind of hate that because it's always like you're you're hiring these all managers. You get hired to be fired eventually, and then you hire you hire you know someone who's been. Uh, you know, what's what I'm looking for? Just a superstar for your team, just to fire him in a couple of years when it happens. So I'm always, I'm always against the the team just going to hire. Oh, look, we're getting old so and so from, you know, your childhood to make you feel better as a fan. I'd rather they go out somebody like maybe Bruce Bochy, mm-hmm. maybe go after him next year or or two years down the road instead of trying to get someone like. Berkman or Biggio or Os- or Brad Osmus. Right. With Osmus, it's different because I feel like because it's like he's been around. Like he, he managed the Tigers, he managed the Angels. And he, and he didn't. He's not, he has not been good. <laughs> Let's just say right. <laughs> that's true too. Um, and he. And that's also another pet peeve of my people talking about, oh, Biggio, Berkman, Bagman, whatever. It's like these guys have never managed before. Give me somebody right. that has some kind of experience. Don't just manage them because he's a. They were big names with the Astros because it's just going to end up just dis, being disappointing. Right. 
Um, guy like Osmus, you know, he's a smart guy, but again, had managed, has not managed well. Um, even though he has ties with the organization, he's, you know, he didn't play out his entire career like a Biggio, like a, a Bagwell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I said, it's just, it was, I mean, it makes sense with given his age that the contract would one year guaranteed, second year option. Um, you know, but it's also interesting, like to see what this team, you know, what they're looking for beyond that. Exactly. And, you know, this may not just be the team. This may be Dusty saying, I'm 70 some years old. I may only want to be here a year or two and then. Right. Yeah, that's retire. Again. Get here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got, yeah, that makes sense too. Definitely. All in all, good hiring, good, mm-hmm. you know, know, solid choice for a manager. I feel much more comfortable given the variables, you know, with what you have, where these players are at in their careers. Um, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going back to it because you, I mean, you, you need to hashtag it, dude, and, and get it going. But Revenge Tour 2020, I mean, I, that's an exciting um, – it's an exciting possibility for this upcoming season. Yeah, very much so. You got all right. Anything else, man? Because my dinner is calling my name. No, I'm good, man. We we uh, caught up in a lot, um, and uh, you know it feels good to uh, get all that off our chests. Yeah, at least my chest, at least. I don't mm-hmm. know. How about you? But um, hey, uh, I know we'll. You know, we'll record a few more times before then, but I'm going to start promoting on the podcast as well. What the hell? Uh, January or February 16th, mm-hmm. uh, my next DJ gig at the Little Dipper downtown. Um, Give the address. 304 Main Street, Houston, Texas. Um, spinning, you know, vinyl most of the night. It's all uh-huh. vinyl all night. You never know what you're going to hear. So come on out if you're, you know, if you're, listening here in Houston or wherever, you know, what the hell? Guarantee a good time, as always. A good time to be had by all. Yes, sir. Follow me on Instagram at uh, at N-O-T-E-L-R-I-C. You'll see all my records and other goofy stuff that I like to post. (laughs) Your goofy green pants. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I forgot about those, sir. Oh, no, I haven't either. (laughs) We all talk about that story. <laughs> yeah, that's a great story that will never be told on either <laughs> yeah, way. No. Anyway, follow unless me. All, unless it all, you know, it goes horribly unless, wrong. No, unless it all goes like fantastically right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, follow me on Twitter at Quinn288. That's Quinn underscore 288. And uh, let's see. Let me give you the where to listen for the podcast. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and any other place the podcasts are getting away for absolutely free. Uh, if you have any questions, concerns, and you wish to talk to us, you can email us. Finally, got the email up today. And email us at two eighty eight pod at gmail dot com. That's two eighty eight pod at gmail.com. That's all spelled out. No numbers. No numbers at all. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, and um, yeah, any suggestion you have will be greatly appreciated. 
Love it. Sounds good. I love it, man. All right. And for, we are done here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. And, um, you know, I just want to say to everybody out there that mm, try not to be too sappy, but hell with it. I'm going to be sappy that, um, oh, man, I'm watching the Royal Rumble. Someone's holding up a Kobe Bryant jersey. I'm about to cry. Oh, man. Uh, just know that um, if if there's someone out there that you're beefing with for some stupid reason, just reach out, apologize, and, you know, get your friend back because life's too short to hold grudges. Amen. Amen. Reach out. And, you know, if you haven't called, like, a family member, friend, whatever, just call, reach out, let them know that you're thinking of them, you love them, and you only wish the best for them. Amen again. All right. So I want to tell you, Anthony, that I love you. I love you, brother. Right back at you, my friend. And um, I love each and every one you listen to, to this right now. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with us. All right. So for Anthony, I'm DeQuincy. Later, babies.